welcome to Deeply Rooted. I'm your host, Robin Norgren. And over on this podcast, we talk about things like Montessori, creativity, the meaning of life, heart-centered living, forgiveness, grace, and how to be a spiritual being who is longing to be living more fully in our human experiences. I'm so glad you're joining me in the process. Welcome. Today's mantra is, I'm settling into my identity. I'm settling into my identity. Julia Cameron says, wherever you are is always the right place. There is never a need to fix anything, to hitch up the bootstraps of the soul and start at a higher place. Start right where you are. Here are some thoughts. Who are you today? Settle in your heart that and fill in that statement. I love what? I trust that. I need more. I'm walking away from. I am happy about. Today, I feel most satisfied about. Here's today's idea from the book called The Art of Noticing by Rob Walker. Sam Anderson says, windows are a powerful existential tool. The only thing you can do is look. You have no influence over what you will see. Your brain is forced to make drama out of whatever happens to appear. Boring things become strange. Spend 10 minutes looking out the window you most persistently ignore. Find one in your office or your bedroom or wherever the one you so take for granted that you forget it's even there. Examine the edges of what the window makes visible. Find three things you've never noticed. Describe the scene in front of you. Next time you encounter a window that's new to you, stop and look. Study the view. Tally the details. Look for movement. 
think about what you can't control. See what happens. Let's talk about drawing. Here's some thoughts from a book called Drawing with Children, a creative method for adult beginners too, is the subtitle, and it's by Mona Brooks. Today, she asks us to think about five step statements and pick one that best fits the way you feel about your drawing. Make the choice according to the way you feel right now, rather than past opinions. All right, here we go. Statement number one. I am very confident and satisfied with my current drawing ability. Number two. I can draw, but I would like to draw better. Number three, it's been so long since I've drawn, I don't know if I can draw anymore. Number four, I can't draw, but I think I could learn. Number five, I can't draw, and I don't think I could learn. Now I can say for the longest time, um, I was going back and forth between four and five, which I guess might surprise you since some of you know that I've been an art teacher for close to five years. But I really would, in the first few years, make it a point not to really pick any projects where you'd have to draw per se. And again, this is one of the fun things about um, being an artist is that you can camouflage the things that you're weak at by only working on the things that are strong. But we all know that's not just about artists, right? Anywhere in life we can do that. But as I started um, really taking it seriously, you know, working in a school setting, you know, rather than just being in community centers and assuming that, that children would get that um, skill from another, you know, avenue or working just as short-term subs and knowing that I wasn't the one holding the full responsibility for that role. Um, it didn't really press on me that it was necessary for me to explore this. But as I, um, you know, in the last three years started working in a school setting, um, creating a curriculum, I knew that especially for the fifth and sixth graders that we really needed to start to come at the art of drawing in a really calculated way. So it did cause me to then um, work on drawing. So now I'm at the place where I can draw, but I would like to draw better. Okay, now let's go a little step. Let's go another step further. Let's see how you feel about drawing in general. Okay, so now we're going to listen to eight statements and I want you to think about where you are and which one best describes you in this moment, not in a moment of time that you remember. Okay, number one, the ability to draw is inherited. Number two, 
there is a right and a wrong way to draw. Number three, drawing is simply for pleasure and has no practical use. Number four, art lessons should be given only to those children who show talent and may become artists when they grow up. Number five, structured drawing lessons are inappropriate for children. They should develop their ability through free expression and exploration only. Number six, people who can't draw realistically with accurate shading and correct proportion aren't real artists. Number seven, real artists draw from their imagination and don't need to copy things. Number eight, real artists are pleased with most of what they produce. So for me, I know for the longest time, I thought, number two, there is a right and a wrong way to draw. And also, number four, art lessons should be given only to those children who show talent and may become artists when they grow up. And that wasn't from a teacher's perspective. It was from a childhood experience where um, I have a brother and a sister who just naturally can look at something and draw beautifully. I also have a son that can do that. And I also have a husband that can do that. Actually, I have a daughter now that can do that as well. <laughs> For me, I could not do that. And I really did buy into that idea that only certain people can do it. And again, going back to what I shared about taking it seriously about being an art teacher, I really wanted to challenge that idea. And I have now moved into that place that you can learn to draw. And I do think that the sooner that you um, just allow that to be something that, uh, that a child can pick up on, um, like science and like math and like English, the better. Because as we move further on into you know third fourth fifth sixth grade and you many of you may already realize this especially if you have children or you're in the teaching profession they start to get so self-conscious that they won't even try um but i know in my three-year stint at the school that i'm currently at i have been able to see that the confidence and skill level has changed exponentially because it really is simply about practicing. Now there'll still be those children that are very, can easily look at something and draw it. And for many of my lessons, I do have them, have students look at something and draw from that so they can get a sense of the angles in a two-dimensional um, experience and then they can um, create um, the confidence, build the confidence that they can then just draw from me from memory or imagination or sight. So, so just different perspectives that I now um, really think can lend itself to adult learners as well. So, most of us feel that certain of these statements are true. 
I now believe that none of them are true. And as we consider these falsehoods, we are going to begin to relate emotionally to our frustrating childhood drawing experiences. These are now Mona Brooks' words. Reevaluating those memories with updated information will help us make the shift towards success. So this is something to keep in mind that I'm very excited about, that I want to continue to explore this on this podcast. But in the next few months or so, I will be creating a program to be done online for us to get together and practice this by way of Zoom. And I really hope that you would consider doing it along with me. This is from a book called Spiritual Direction by Henry Nowen. And the topic is, where have I been and where am I going? He says, when I taught academic courses on the spiritual life, I sometimes drew a long straight line from the left edge to the right on a blackboard. And I'd explain, this is our eternal life in God. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. You were loved by God before you were born, and you will be loved by God long after you die. Then I would mark off a small segment of the line and say, this is your human lifetime. It is only a part of your total life in God. You are here for just a short time, 20, 40, 60, 80 years, to discover and believe that you are a beloved child of God. The length of time doesn't matter. Life is just a short opportunity for you during a few years to say to God, I love you too. As a parable of this truth, I want to tell you the true story of my friend from the Larch named Adam. I want to tell it from a divine perspective as if God were the storyteller. God has a story of Adam from above that only God can fully tell and a story for us to try to hear. Here's part one of that story. Long, very long ago, before I gave Adam to his parents, long before he was born among his fellow human beings, I knew him and loved him. He belonged to me as my beloved child. I carried him from all eternity in my heart and mind and cared for him as for the apple of my eye. Then, one day, I sent him to the planet Earth to live among people because he would be a man invited to suffer. I entrusted him to a loving woman and a caring man who were to be his parents. I sent him to be a silent witness who would bring my message of love through his great vulnerability. I know that very few people are capable of fully accepting a gift hidden in brokenness. Therefore, I chose with great care these two people so that they could help me in revealing that gift to the world. 
For 34 years, Adam lived among his brothers and sisters. He was not able to talk, walk without assistance, go regularly to school, find a job, earn a living, or have a wife and children. He didn't give talks, write books, or win a prize. He simply was present among people as a silent witness to our to my love. Then, on February 13, 1996, I saw that Adam had fulfilled his mission and I called him back home to me. I gave him a voice so he could tell me all he had experienced on the earth and in a body that would allow him to walk, run, and dance in my presence, to everyone's delight. I am so glad to have him back, and I know for sure that having been where he was, he will give special attention to all who loved him and cared for him, but also to all the people whose brokenness he shared. Are you ready to hear a story like this from above? Doesn't this story echo the story of Jesus, God's own beloved child? Isn't this your story and mine? Can you imagine God smiling when we discover the secret that Adam's story, your story, my story, and the story of Jesus are in truth one and the same story? We all have been loved by God before and beyond time. As the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 And as the psalmist declares, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139.13 Sometimes it takes a lifetime to see, hear, and believe God's story of us.